Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to our first Rico Bronia in which we get to just completely bitch about a spring training injury. You knew it was going to happen. It was bound to happen. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It really, really sucks. Jose Quintana is going to miss time. And when we briefly discussed Jose Quintana's injury, because remember, he left the game early due to side soreness. We mentioned it on the last Rico. I was naive. I wasn't fearing the worst. I wasn't fearing that we would find out that Jose Quintana has a small stress fracture in his rib. That was not my guess. That was not on my how's Quintana injured bingo card, but that's the result, and the result's not good. The Mets still have not revealed a timetable. They have still not revealed intricate details, at least as of this recording, but the one thing we're pretty confident about is he's going to miss time, and it's probably going to be considerable time. So I want to get this out of the way right now here in the middle of March. We will be told come June or July that it's like a trade acquisition. The Mets have acquired Jose Quintana because that's what happens when guys get hurt and they return at some point during the summer or after the trade deadline. We're always told this is like a trade. I want to make something very clear. This is not like a trade. The Mets signed Jose Quintana to replace Taiwan Walker and Jose Quintana will not make his Met debut for a couple of months. It is not end-of-the-world stuff. I don't think this is going to derail the Mets' season, but it's concerning because what can derail the Mets' season would be injuries, especially injuries to rotation that is not very young. You know, it wasn't that long ago. It was on the last Rico. We were talking about this rotation and talking about how you want to get guys extra rest. And I've always mentioned, hey, six-man rotation, it makes a lot of sense. There was always this cloud hovering over though. There was always that wrinkle of guys aren't going to stay healthy. 
And we didn't know at the time who it would be and how serious it would be. But right out of the gate, a couple of weeks into spring training, we've got our answer. Uh, Based on the Steven Strasburg rib injury that he had, based on the Chris Sale injury that he had, I think it's safe to say, and this is not being negative, this is not being dramatic, this is just based on past injuries to pitchers who have had similar injuries, you're looking at a couple of months. So if it's two months where he doesn't pitch, and then the ramp-up process, you probably have to tack on another month We are talking in like a good case scenario, late June, but in a more realistic scenario, maybe the second half of the season. So that's it with Quintana. I mean, it's not not good. And I love this signing. I mentioned that to you, Pete, when the Mets were in the midst of their offseason, that I was so enamored by how good and how well he was pitching in the second half of the season after he was traded by the Pirates to the Cardinals and how well he pitched in a big spot. We remember what he did in the postseason against the Phillies, even though his team lost. I love this signing. And a part of what I loved about him is that if you look at his track record throughout his major league career, he has stayed healthy. So you're talking about a guy who his track record is, hey, for the most part, he's going to go out there and make all the starts. He certainly did that last season. And there have been many years in his career where Jose Quintana, you can write him down for 32 starts. It wasn't necessarily the case in 2021. I understand that. And 2020, but you go back to 2019, 32 starts. You go back to 2018, 32 starts. 2017, 32 starts. 2016, 32 starts. And it goes on and on. Like he is a 32 start machine that had a derailment in 2021 and 2020. But last year he picked up right where it left off. Unfortunately, 2023 is going to be a derailment. Well, this is partly what happens when you have older pitching. I know 34 years old doesn't sound terribly old, but in baseball terms, it's not the youngest. He's not in his prime. So these type of injuries happen. Listen, it's not the end of the world. And the one thing that we talked about was that the depth of this pitching rotation was going to be huge. Didn't want to see it so early, but you do have the Tyler McGill's. You do have the Joey Lucchese's of the world, the David Peterson, which, you know, depending on how his foot is, hopefully hasn't fallen off and we're good. But like <laughs> it, it, we, we wanted to see – the whole thing about this team was the Mets had the depth. We just didn't want to see it this early. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we wanted to see these five guys pitch, and then Tyler McGill and David Peterson would be inserted when necessary. So let's start with the replacements because I know you love Joey Lucchese. I think for now he is not really an option. I think he can be. Uh, in a few months, he is still recovering and his return from Tommy John surgery. I know Elisa Hernandez is certainly an option, but I think the two guys that certainly jump out at me and jump out at most Met fans would be David Peterson and Tyler McGill. Uh, right off the top, before we kind of dive deeper into who it should be, your first reaction would be whom to take this spot in the rotation. I do think that given the fact he's performed better as of late, and I prefer him as a starter rather than a, a bullpen guy, I think David Peterson deserves the first shot out of the shoot just because I think he's I, – I, I did crap on him a lot last year, but he did pitch a lot better than I gave him credit for. Yeah, so both guys, to, to the point you said, are going to be starting pitchers. Okay, late last year, both Tyler McGill and David Peterson, for a variety of reasons, McGill was coming off of the kind of injury-riddled season. Uh, starting in May, he basically missed a big chunk of time. And in Peterson's case, it was more of a necessity. They auditioned for bullpen roles late in that season. 
And I don't think either guy was overly impressive. They are not, at least as of now, in line for any kind of bullpen role. Now, that obviously could change second half of the season, depending on the needs of this roster. But as of right now, both guys, to me, were headed towards AAA. They were both headed towards they're going to start every five days, and they're going to be the insurance when necessary. So I don't think either guy right off the top I would even consider in a bullpen role. Let me start with McGill. And obviously, I do agree with you, and I've made that clear. David Peterson deserves the first crack. But I want to start with McGill because he is fascinating. He started opening day last year, and that was minor injury to Scherzer, serious injury to DeGrom, and just the way the days kind of fell, McGill got the opening day start. He was great. He pitched the five scoreless innings on the opening day against the Nationals. He follows that up with five and a third scoreless innings against the Phillies. He follows that up with a six-inning, four-run performance against the Giants. He follows that up by pitching into the seventh against the Diamondbacks, allowing two runs. He follows that up with five no-hit innings. Spoiler alert, Mets ended up completing the no-hitter. Tyler McGill, just to remind you, because it's easy to forget this, in his first five starts of 2022, was 4-0 with a 1.93 ERA. He was to the point where on WFA and the radio station where we reside, there was a comparison made between Tyler McGill and his surprising start and Nestor Cortez and his surprising start. And there was nothing wrong with that comparison because McGill was great. I just gave you the numbers. He made five starts. He was 4-0 if you care about win-loss record, and he had a 1.93 ERA. He had three of his first five starts result in not giving up a run. I mean, he was he was really, really, really good. And then he faced the Atlanta Braves first week of May and had a solid performance. Got the loss, pitched five and a third innings, allowed three runs. Not awful, solid performance. Then, and this is where it all went to hell, he made a start in Washington against the Nationals and gave up eight runs in an inning and a third. So that obviously ballooned his ERA and basically took the first six starts and made it null when it comes to stats and raised his ERA to 4.41. But that really wasn't the big deal. The big deal was he got hurt and we didn't see him for another month. And then he comes back in a month. He makes two starts. He gets hurt again. And at that point, he was he was done. Like we didn't see him again until late September. And that's when he tried that bullpen role, which he was. Not great at, to be perfectly honest. It wasn't a huge sample size, but he wasn't great. So I bring this up because Tyler McGill was really good. I mean, his his stats, and I know it's not a huge sample size. It was basically eight starts that you would either say were good or quality versus one just horrific start. One horrible start that brought his numbers up, but... Throughout April, he was one of the Mets' most consistent starting pitchers. And I bring this up because we shouldn't forget what he's capable of and what he was marching towards doing. So the good news for the Mets is that I I didn't say that to make the case for McGill. To me, the answer is David Peterson. But Tyler McGill now moves up one more spot. And I still believe the Mets have to be very careful with their rotation and they still need to give extra days every once in a while to Verlander and to Scherzer and to Senga, who's getting used to pitching in America. So I'm not afraid to pitch Tyler McGill. I think there was a part of what he accomplished last year 
what I mentioned in April where he deserves another crack. But you nailed it. I mean, David Peterson, over the course of a full season, and it was very start and stop at times due to injuries and need be, he went out there and he was really good. Like David Peterson was a real solid starting pitcher for this team. And he had so many different roles. I mean, his first performance back in April was a game in which he came in in the third inning. I think that was the game Taiwan Walker got hurt in, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. But he came in to pitch four scoreless innings right at the top. Then he starts making starts, and he pitched real well. And he, he wasn't always perfect. He had some mediocre starts mixed in. And then, obviously, they tried to make him a reliever. Uh, the game against the Yankees kind of jumps out at us July 27th. But when David Peterson was asked to make starts, he was really good for the most part and had moments that were intoxicating where you said, oh, it's a lefty. He could put it all together. Like he had a game against Texas, six innings, 10 strikeouts, and he looked brilliant. So I do feel good about the depth that the Mets have. And to me, it's David Peterson's in the rotation. And now Tyler McGill is raring and ready to go. And he should get a second shot off of the early success he had a year ago. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is, again, I just think that David Peterson has pitched uh, enough. He's pitched enough innings in the major leagues that I think he's like, if I had to pick one right out of the gate, it's definitely David Peterson. Just for that 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 veteran factor, even though he's not a veteran, but he's had that those innings under his belt already. Let Tyler have a few more innings in the minors, and when nothing emergency comes around, give him another chance. Who knows? Maybe they were really starting to – he again, his first four starts were amazing, but maybe towards the tail end before his injury, maybe they did pick up something that kind of was a tip or something like that. Give him some more time just to get it right in the minors before he sees the majors. Yeah, it's I like the depth that this team has. Um, it can be tested. You get another guy hurt, and it's gonna it's gonna get tested more. But that was one of the things I liked about this team coming into spring training, that they have the depth. It, it just sucks to have to go to it this early and to see Quintana probably have to miss as much time as he's going to miss because the truth is this may not be it. No, is Carlos Carrasco going to get through a full season and make 30-plus starts? I don't know. Is Kodai Senga, who had some minor injury concerns on his physical going to get through his first season in the major leagues in America and make 30 starts? I don't know. And then obviously we we understand the age of Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. So every guy we just mentioned, Peterson and McGill specifically, but even Joey Lucchese and Alisar Hernandez, they're going to make starts for this team this year. It's going to happen. And hopefully they pitch well. Jose Buto, I shouldn't ignore him. He's probably going to make a start too. I'm not sure where he falls on the depth. To me, it's Peterson McGill, and after that, I'm kind of up in the air. You know, I got to see Joey Lucchese a little bit more. Remember, he is still coming back from a major injury, and our only look at Jose Budo last year, it was awful. Now, granted, the Mets had a great win that day, but that had nothing to do with him. (laughs) He didn't really contribute to that. So, it sucks, man. It just, it sucks. Now, speaking of Tyler McGill, I know this is very much up Pete Hoffman's alley and a few of the people listening's alley because there are still some that dislike the pitch clock. I've seen plenty of emails about that. Tyler McGill was involved in a fascinating scene the other day at Metcamp in which he had a shoelace that was untied. Now, I raise my hand and tell you I have solved the shoelace issue because I no longer wear sneakers with shoelaces. Yes, I'm like a 12-year-old boy. 
I get mocked sometimes. Evan, you're like a big child. And maybe there's some reality to that. Maybe, maybe a little bit, maybe some not reality to that, but whatever. Uh, One area where I am a big child is I use slip-on shoes now. I do, because I I don't want to tie my shoes. I don't want to waste time. I don't want to trip. I don't want to fall. But when you're a major league pitcher, you really don't have an option. You have to have shoelaces on your cleats. And Tyler McGill politely said to the umpire, whoever it was, I forgot. I apologize. Hey, I got to tie my shoes. Can we hold on to that pitch clock for a second? And the umpire said, well, you're going to have to use a mound visit, sir. (laughs) So you got a choice, Tyler. You're going to use a mound visit or you're just going to have some automatic balls until you can figure out how to tie your shoelaces. I do admit, and I know that guys could find ways to abuse this by trying to find their way to have cheap timeouts, but I'm a big believer in common sense. Big common sense guy. Common sense would tell me. Can you let the guy tie his shoes? Like I, I understand pace of play, pitch clock. You don't want people illegally taking advantage of stopping the clock for reasons such as that. But if you see the man's laces are untied, can we have a common sense rule that says, I see they're untied. I see it didn't purposely do it. So let me give you a free timeout. Tie your shoelaces so you don't trip all over yourself. So my problem with that is, and I love it. Like that, this is this is first of all, it's going to spill into the regular season. Anyone that thought that this was going to be a clean, all oh, the figure it out by the end of spring training, it it's going to bleed into the regular season, and and whatever, it's not going to ruin the game of baseball, but it's going to be chaos. There's going to be issues like this. I do agree with you, common sense law. But however, imagine it's, game, it's the ninth inning. And it's an intense situation. And common sense says his shoelace is untied. And let me go do it. <laughs> the opposing managers would be like, BS, that's a second mound visit. Pull him out. You well, know at that, that point, at that point, save your mound visits. I mean, what, what do you want me to tell you? Don't let it be the second mound visit where a guy has to leave the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to be more judicious with these things. I, but he's got to tie his shoe. <laughs> he's got to tie his shoe. What are you going to do? Don't waste a mound visit earlier in the inning. That's my answer. I I am not willing to give in yet to you and your bullies that come April, there are going to be issues. I don't buy. The one thing that does make me think is the WBC could affect this in a negative way. Because obviously anyone who's playing in the World Baseball Classic has left. They've gone out to train with their teams. In fact, the Mets on Wednesday night played Nicaragua and got and got one hit. <laughs> and I heard, because the game wasn't on TV, uh, from the great reporting of Tim Healy, that the hit could have been called an error. So the New York Mets came very close to being no hit by Nicaragua. Now, I'm not mocking them. I mean, the Met lineup was abysmal. And that's going to be fascinating. There were so many guys who left for the WBC that there's nobody left. That the lineup is what? Like, I'm going to read you the Met lineup from Wednesday night's game because it's fascinating to me that this is what Buck is left with. But the reason I bring up the WBC is that they're not using a pitch clock. They're not using bigger bases. They're not banning the shift. There are no new rules in the WBC. So what you allow, and this is dangerous, I admit, is you allow guys who are getting used to new rules 
to now lax back into what they were doing because they're all, and I get why those rules aren't in play in the WBC. It's because you have a lot of players who aren't in the major leagues. So these rules would be completely new for them too. So I understand that. So you are allowing, you know, for Pete Alonso, who's been getting used to the pitch clock and for him, the batter clock technically, because he has to get in the box by eight seconds. He didn't have to deal with that. And so you wonder if going back to the old habits kind of make it more difficult when you do go back to spring training to get back to the new habits. But I still remain hopeful that when we get to the start of the season, there won't be many issues. But the Tyler McGill shoelace situation was fascinating. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Anyhow, the Mets played a game against Nicaragua. It was 2-0. It took two hours and 45 minutes, which is long which led me to believe they're, they're probably not using the pitch clock. Like even in these exhibition games uh, between a spring training team and a WBC team that they're not. So I, I don't know because the game wasn't on TV. So I, I can't tell you. It's not like I was able to watch it. But I did put on very briefly, real quick, uh, the Cuba game the other night at 11 o'clock at night in the Cuban Netherlands. I watched five minutes of it. Let me tell you something. Go watch the WBC. And you're going to remind, you're going to come back and say, yeah, I guess I like that pitch clock. Dude, there was a game and I didn't see it that took place on Wednesday morning. And I think it was, ah, Chinese Taipei, really uh, Taiwan. I don't like Chinese Taipei, but that's what we're supposed to call them. Taiwan against China. I don't know. Four hours. The game Panama. was it Panama. Yeah. Thank you, Pete. First Panama. Four hours. That's a thing of the past. We're not going to deal with that crap anymore. So go watch. Like, I'm going to watch USA Great Britain Saturday night. I'm excited. And then about halfway through, I'm going to say to myself, this is going to take forever. It's like college football. So God bless the clock. All right, real quick. So the Mets played Nicaragua. Remember, Lindor, Team Puerto Rico. Eduardo Escobar, Team Venezuela. Pete Alonso, Team America. Jeff McNeil, Team America. Omar Navarez, Team Venezuela. They they basically lost everybody. Brandon Nimmo, not ready to play spring training games. I'll get back to you. Starling Marte, not ready to play spring training games. I'll get back to you. So the Mets have nobody. So listen to this lineup. All right? Leading off, the shortstop, Luis Guillerme. Batting second, the catcher. Francisco Alvarez batting third Pete's favorite player second baseman Danny Mendick batting fifth or batting fourth the designated hitter the only regular in this damn lineup Daniel Vogelback imagine you bought tickets to a spring training game and the only regular is Daniel Vogelback batting fifth Right fielder, we claimed him on waivers two and a half weeks ago. Jalen Davis, batting whatever I'm up to. Sixth, left fielder, you may remember him with the Orioles, 
DJ Stewart. Batting seventh, first baseman, Mark Vientos. All right, cool. Batting eighth, third baseman, Brett Beatty. And batting ninth, a guy who I've seen like every spring training game I've watched. That, of course, is center fielder, Lorenzo Cedrola. <laughs> what the hell is this? Oh, so, my God. I can't hear you, Pete. What'd you say? Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, who got the one hit? So the one hit was by a guy who came in late in the game, and you love him, Ronnie Mauricio. So there that's you cool. go. It is cool that he got the hit. This is going to be, you know, I'm already at the point of spring training where I'm done. Like, I, I went through those cycles maybe a few weeks ago with you guys where I said, excited for pitchers and catchers, the first couple of games, and then I'm done. I was done probably about four or five days ago, maybe longer. But now I'm really done because that's the Met lineup. Now, granted, Francisco Alvarez, cool to watch. Mark Vientos, cool to watch. Ronnie Mauricio, cool to watch. So Brett Beatty, of course, cool to watch. So they have a lot of young guys that we're we're excited about, that we want to see. So even though who cares about Lindor, who cares about Alonzo in spring training, I totally get that. It is still tough. It's tough to see a lineup like this. And be like, oh, I can't wait to watch this game. So they lost a lot of guys to the WBC. I mean, you can watch World Baseball Classic games, then you'll see this Met team. But boy, they've been ravaged. There's nobody left. Well, my question to you is this. Like, right, a lot of the team is either, a lot of the regulars are either hurt, not ready to play, or in the World Baseball Classic. So is there any way that any of these young kids can even steal a spot is it is it is there anything they even judge is it is there any possible way it doesn't like think about this it doesn't affect the roster because the battle spots that we talked about the spots that you could kind of rationalize as a battle they're not going to be affected by the fact that pete alonso is playing for team usa it's not affected by even eduardo escobar i mean is he really in danger of losing the third base job i'm skeptical about that whole thing what it does allow is more at-bats. That, and that, that is the positive. So, you know, Ronnie Mauricio is probably going to get a little, a few more at-bats. I mean, he was going to get at-bats anyway. Mark Vientos was probably going to get at-bats anyway. Does it give more at-bats to Danny Mendick? I guess. Does it give more at-bats to Jalen Davis, who's a depth outfielder? That's all he is. He's not making the major league team, barring a cavalcade of injuries, I guess. So I don't really think it affects who makes the roster or not, but it does allow a lot more opportunities. That's for sure. Same thing with the innings, because they didn't lose a lot of pitchers to the WBC, but Adam Adovino's playing, Brooks Raleigh's playing. Like They did lose a handful of guys, but the guys who were competing for spots are still competing. So I don't really think it changes anything other than you wanting to turn on SNY on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon to watch this team play. I think that's where it's affected. When do they typically like start to cut the roster down and send people back stuff like that? Like when 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 would typically guys like Mauricio and Alvarez get sent back and like not be on the team anymore? That that'll be affected because like right around now or at least in the next week or two, you'd start to see guys go back to minor league camp. But the Mets can't do that because they need guys to play. They need guys to fill out the roster. But it, it doesn't it doesn't really impact anything. It doesn't other than our own viewing. And maybe seeing more young guys than we would have, 
it really doesn't impact much. By the way, are you into the WBC? Will you watch any of these games? I, I've seen moments of it. Like actually, my it's weird. Uh, my my middle guy Nick, he uh, not the biggest sports fan, but loves the world baseball. He loved the uh, World Cup. He loves just countries. So he's actually like he wanted to know what happened with the 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 eleven o'clock game, the Netherlands. He wanted to see the Netherlands win, Netherlands win. So he was happy about that. He was up early watching the uh, Panama uh, China. Uh, what was it? Who they put Panama play? Chinese Taipei or Taiwan? Yeah, yeah. He was watching that game, so he actually is very much into it. He wants to stay up till eleven o'clock tonight to watch whatever game is on. Nice. So, so it it creates a different element of um, excitement, I guess, for some other people that typically aren't into baseball. Am I going to watch Saturday night? Yeah, but I'm not really going to be. Watch- I haven't watched enough so far. Yeah, it, I think I'm interested. I think I am. I was into the first one. I actually traveled to San Diego to watch the first ever World Baseball Classic. I think I'm into it. You know, Saturday night, 9 o'clock, USA, Great Britain. Okay, kids are asleep. My wife's passing out. All right, I'll put it on. But I mean it. I really do. The the, the no pitcher's clock is a problem. Like, I've already trained my brain into that new pace of baseball. Because I've watched a handful of spring training games, and I'm already – Oh, I like this pace. It's moving at a quick pace, and the WBC really doesn't have it. By the way, one thing did happen in a Mets spring training game the other day that is worthy of talking about. It's really, really important, and it was disgusting. The New York Mets on Tuesday night, after an off day on Monday, played a baseball game against the Houston Astros. I'm not going to complain about the fact that they blew a ninth-inning lead. Zach Green is not helping himself out in his chance of making this roster. He gave up three runs, blew the save, had to be pulled. I'd say Zach Green right now needs to turn things around, okay, because he has not been impressive. I've seen him, not just by looking at box scores, and when I've seen him pitch. But there was something else from that game. The New York Mets started somebody at first base in that game. It was not Pete Alonso. He left. He went to the WBC. The guy who started for the first time in spring training on Tuesday night was Darren Ruff. Darren Ruff was back. Remember, he had the wrist issue. He had the cortisone shot. And it took all the way until Tuesday, March 7th, for Darren Ruff to get at-bats. Darren Ruff had three at-bats. And he was 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. Darren Ruff was in mid-season form. And... He's facing Framber Valdez. Like, come on, this is he you're facing a lefty. This is what you're here for, bro. You're here to rip lefties. I I know it's one game. It's spring training. You got to calm down. I am calm. What I'm telling you is that he better hit. Like I I believe Darren Ruff's got to hit because Mark Vientos, the clear and present danger to Darren Ruff's roster spot more than Beatty. More than Mauricio, it's Vientos. Vientos has hit. And it is early, and there's going to be plenty more at-bats for Vientos, for Ruff, for Mauricio, for all these guys to perform. They got they got a lot of opportunities coming up over the next few weeks for the reasons we laid out. But he's got a hit, man. And I'm not going to have a lot of patience. Pete doesn't have any patience. He's done with them already. Like Darren Ruff could hit 550 in spring training. He's done with them. And I stand by a prediction I made. I said uh, a few months ago, I said it before spring training, and maybe I'm being more hopeful than anything, 
But Darren Ruff will not be on this roster come opening day because there are too many better options. Mark Vientos is a better option. Tim LaCastro is a better option. Ronnie Mauricio, not that he'll make it, is a better option. Takes a little bit of creativity, but Brett Beatty is a better There's a lot of better options. When Danny Mendick puts a couple of hits together, he's going to be a better option. So I, I don't know what Billy Epler's thinking. I don't. Like, is Billy Epler basically saying, look, he's not going to be on the roster. I just hope he hits a little bit and then I could trade him. Or is Billy Epler saying, you guys are crazy. He's going to be on the roster. I gave up like 18 minor leaguers for him in J.D. Davis. He's going to be on the roster no matter what these big mouths say. I don't know. But I am predicting, and I stand by this, he will not be on the roster come opening bleeping day. Because you're hoping he's going to be on the I.L. But that's not going to happen. He <laughs> will be on the I, – I, and unfortunately, this is where you and I differ, and it's weird because we're talking about $3 million. We're not talking about a $20 million contract, $10 million contract. It's $3 million. It's easy to just eat and just say, you know what? We tried. It's not working out. But I do think that they have this mindset of, on paper – his statistics show that he should be hitting lefties, and he, and he will play because that is their solution for the DHs. Vogel back at the left left side, Dan Ruff on the right side. It's I'm convinced that they are convinced of that. I I think that's what they thought, but I think at some point you've got to make a decision. And he was awful last year after the trade, and he's going to have about a month, a little bit less than a month, three weeks to hit. And I know with a lot of veterans, we're not going to look at how they perform in spring training. But I do think for a guy that was so bad for a few months and didn't do his job effectively, you have to look at his performance and say, is this worth it? Now, what helps Darren Ruff is that Vientos can easily go to AAA, right? All these guys have options. You're not risking losing a player the way you are with some of these pitchers' decisions. We'll get you an update on. So they could easily just say, hey, look, no big deal. Ruff's on the team. If we change our mind in a week, he's gone. If he doesn't hit for a week, he's gone. So they could go that route. I'm not sure that they will. In terms of the pitchers, John Curtis is off to a tremendous start. Uh, John Curtis is one of those guys they brought in a year ago. He was coming off an injury, gave a two-year deal. They basically were banking that he's not going to give us anything in 22. Maybe he gives us something in 23. Three innings, one hit, no runs, six strikeouts, no walk. Uh, Bryce Montes to Oka is also really impressive. He throws so damn hard. He's got a lot of bite on his fastball. We saw him briefly last year. Uh, his big issue is control. Can he throw strikes? Two innings, two walks, four strikeouts. Pretty typical. But when I've seen him pitch, he's looked very impressive. TJ McFarland has not one of those guys with an outside shot to make the team as he lefty reliever. And I mentioned the Zach Green thing. Zach Green has been awful. Three and two-thirds innings, five runs, and five walks. He's off to just an absolutely awful start. And Steven Nagosik, we mentioned at the top uh, when we were making our roster predictions a few pods ago, he's got a head start to make this team because he's out of options. And so that's a big part of this. You can easily take Bryce Montes to Oka, and he's at AAA. No harm, no foul. But with a guy like Steven Nagosik, if he doesn't make the team because he's out of options, 
He's exposed to waivers where there's a good chance you're going to lose him. He's off to a good start. It's only a couple of innings, so it's it's tough to get nuts about it, but he's looked good. And I, I, I think he has a leg up to make the team just based on the fact they don't want to lose him. Zach Green had the same similar situation where Zach Green was claimed in the Rule 5 draft. If he doesn't make the team, he sends back to the Yankees. They they lose him. But he's got to be he's got to be halfway decent. Like he can't make the team walking five guys in two and a third innings. That's not going to happen. Well, I have you know, here's the weird thing about this stuff, right? So like I, a lot of times we're seeing people in, in pitchers in spring training working out some kink, working out some pitches and stuff like that. Where do you draw the line? Where do you like like sometimes like example, we saw Carlos Rodon get shelled the other day for the Yankees. Was he working out some pitches or was he just is it going to be a bad season for Carlos Rodon? Where do you sit there and judge off of the pitchers? There are nine guys who can work on whatever the hell they want. Okay? The five starting pitchers, now we include Peterson instead of Quintana and four relievers who are locks to make the team. Drew Smith, Adam Ottavino, David Robertson, Brooks Raleigh, and Edwin Diaz. That's my line. No one else gets that benefit. Um, Tommy Pham gets that benefit, right? Tommy Pham is not off to a good start. Look, he's not in danger of losing his spot. I think Darren Ruff is because for two reasons. A, because he was so bad last year. And number two, there are guys knocking on the door who are better. Now, that that's the thing that hurts Darren Ruff, that... There are guys banging on that door who could be better options. So I think when you combine ineffectiveness last year, he's old. Let's not let's just not ignore that. It's not like he's 28 years old or 31 years old. He's in his mid to late 30s now. I think he's 36, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they don't get that benefit of the doubt. When it comes to pitching, John Curtis is trying to make the team. Steven Nagosik is trying to make the team. Zach Green is trying to make the team. Unless he wants to go back and be in the Yankee organization, which maybe he does. I don't know. Uh, there's no excuse. There's no I'm working on that. You got to be effective. I, I don't know how else GMs and managers make decisions like that. It's not just stats. I'm not saying it is because it's usually not a big sample size. So there are other things you're looking at. But you got to look effective. You know, you've got to be effective. Uh, and then you can make the team. If you're not, you don't make the team. It's as simple as that. Sterling Marte is going to play on Friday, by the way. We mentioned him before that he has not played yet. Brandon Nimmo hasn't played yet. Not a big deal at this moment. To me, I would start to worry about position players not playing, I'd say, about two weeks before opening day. That'd be my line. We're not quite there yet. I mean, it's still three. We're three weeks from opening day, I think, is where we're at. Three weeks from Thursday is opening day. The Mets obviously open up in Miami. So I'd say if they didn't play for another week, I'd start to worry about the ramp up and worry about facing live pitching because what are you going to do? Get five plate appearances and then just go out there and play on opening day? So Starling Marte, last check, is scheduled to start on Friday for the Mets and make his debut coming off of the groin injuries. The other big story with the Mets, and this is big news, the promo schedule came out, baby. Oh, I love that. There's one thing I want to compliment the Mets on and one thing I want to rip the Mets on. Number one, here's my compliment. And it's not really beneficial to us, to me, to you, to anybody listening, but it's smart. I always wondered why giveaways would be on Saturday and Sunday. Like, I know that's family friendly and that's great. You always want to make the kids happy. And I love that it's on Saturday and Sunday. 
But as a businessman, I've thought to myself, why wouldn't you stick these appealing promos on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Because that's when people don't go to games. <laughs> that's when people don't want to go out. So I'd always wondered about that. And I did notice with this Mets promo schedule, they got a lot of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday giveaways. Again, doesn't benefit me, doesn't benefit you. But from a business standpoint, that always made sense. Let's go through some of these. I will tell you the promotion, and then Pete Hoffman is going to, and I will join in as well. We will both say if that's a game we would go to just to get the giveaway. Okay? Here we go. Saturday, April 8th, a City Field replica. Ooh. Would you want to go to a game to get, and I saw a picture of it. It's a nice-looking replica. It's like a replica of City Field. I just described it with the same words. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> it, it, what is it, does it look like City Field? You think it? Yeah, it's a replica. <laughs> it's like uh, uh, I don't know. It looks like City Field. Would you rearrange your schedule to go to Saturday, April eighth game just to get that? Uh, considering it's the my wedding anniversary, I'm not. My wife is going to say no, so I'm going to have to say no to that. But I wouldn't. Ca- I wouldn't cancel my wedding anniversary plans for uh, City Field. No. Well, first of all, <laughs> let me make this clear. Uh, I'm fortunate this year where the Mets do not have a giveaway on my wedding anniversary. Though the next day they give away an MOP Network hat, <laughs> but there's no giveaway that's going to make me get into that kind of trouble. I'm sorry. I love going to Met games. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is nothing. You give me a back massage. You can give me whatever you want. I'm not screwing around with my anniversary. So good answer. Uh, I think you. the city replica is okay. It's okay. That's uh, fine. I, I'd be cool to get it, but I wouldn't go out of my way. On Saturday, April 9th, see, this is one of those things where my kids are going to say, I want it. So this isn't even me. A handmade by robots knit series, Mr. Met. And basically, it's a Mr. Met doll. And it looks kind of cool. I already know my youngest, Spence, is going to want that thing. He's going to want to play with that thing. So on Saturday, April 29th, my ass is going to be at City Field. And I got to make sure one of the first 15,000 fans, because my littlest guy is going to want that Mr. Met. Yeah, yeah I agree. It's, it's not a – I think for the most part, like teenagers and, and you know, early adults – are not going to run into the ballpark for that, but for the kids, this is definitely a total kid promo. Again, my my family's not really – they're all Yankee fans, but I think even Anthony, my five-year-old, would actually want that. Just he's, he loves – he loves Mr. Met. Who doesn't? Well, I don't, but my kids do. They're going to follow <laughs> it up a week later with the uh, Mrs. Met series. So one Saturday, it's Mr. Met. The next Saturday, it's Mrs. Met. Same thing. My boys are not sexist, okay? So they want both Mr. and Mrs. Met. They're not preferring one over the other. So they're going to they're gonna want both. So I'll probably be there too. Yeah, it's like, it's like Woody and, and, uh, and Buzz. You have Buzz. to have both. That's right. Exactly. Right, this one's not bad. Saturday, May 20th, the Francisco Lindor grass-growing bobblehead. And I've seen it, and I don't know what the grass-growing thing means. It's Lindor on grass making a defensive play without a hat. And it looks like his head is, like, matching the grass. 
So they did the color green of his hair. I'm not sure what's his hair color right now because last year wasn't it blue for a while? I th- I thought it still had a hint of blue right now too. Is any well? Is he he's what Puerto Rico? Yeah, he's on Team Puerto Rico. Yeah. What, what what's their jersey color? I don't know. Is it red? Maybe his hair's red. <laughs> I don't. I thought. I thought. I thought it was blue last time I saw it. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm colorblind. Maybe it is blue hair. But yeah, it's Lindor making the play on grass. I think that's cool. I think that's badass. I want that one. Yeah, I'm not a big bobblehead guy. There's there's other pro- promos that are going to drive me to go there. Bobbleheads are not really the top. Of, I, if I went, if I happened to go that day and I got a bobblehead, the first thing I'd do would go sell it. <laughs> And you make some money off of it because one of my knocks is that they only give these giveaways to the first 15,000 fans, which I hate. They should give it to everybody. A sponsor is making it like this Lindor bobblehead is quote presented by Northwell health. So I don't know why it should be at least 40,000 fans. If it's not everybody. And especially because because somehow people find their way to get two or three of them. How is that even possible? I mean, I, I mean, I guess because they they're it out one- buying it from saps like you. That's why. Well, there, there you go. Smart answer. <laughs> On Wednesday, May thirty first, this is my favorite one: the Howie Rose Sound Bobblehead presented by Odyssey. Hello, that's us. We're presenting it, which means I shouldn't have to go to this damn game. They should give it to us. We work for Odyssey, but I don't know. I don't know if it works that way. I assume that the voice coming out of Howie Rose will say, put in the books, because the bobblehead features a lot of books, a lot of Howie Rose score books. <laughs> uh, that's a must for me. Wednesday, May 31st, I'm in for that one. Yeah, no, that's different, though. Uh, when it's Especially because it's Howie Rose. He's the man. Uh, there's a lot of it, – that. that is cool. Like the John and Susan one that we – we did with for the Yankees. So to me, that's definitely awesome. And I think that we'll have a, I think we have a box still in Spike's office of John and Susan. I, feel I like think we're we going to get Howie Rose. Yeah. I think we're we going to get our hands on that Howie Rose sound bobblehead. <laughs> Maybe we'll do some kind of promotion where we give it away to one of our lucky Rico Bronia listeners. Ooh, I like it. Ooh, I like it. I like that. Uh, Sunday, June 4th is Pete Alonzo inspired neon sunglasses. Uh, is it like the old like uh, Shea Stadium like figures neon like what like what type of neon are we talking about? I guess it's here? like the sunglasses Pete wears. My only issue uh, is sunglasses. I love sunglasses, but sunglasses are one of those products where when you buy it for five or ten dollars, they suck and they break in a day and they're just crappy. Like you have to invest in good sunglasses. So there's no way they're giving away good sunglasses. They're giving away crappy sunglasses that would look like something Pete Alonzo would wear. So It's for the kids. This is for the kids. All again. right. I don't know if my kids will love it, but I'll ask them. On Friday, June 16th, it's Pride Hand Fan. Uh, so it's a fan. Basically, it's one of those one of those fans that you... By, by the way... <laughs> is it a fan? This giveaway is amazing on a hot day. So if Friday, June 16th happens to be like 90 degrees, that's going to be one of my favorite giveaways because sometimes <laughs> I use my scorebook to fan me off. So trust me, I'll use that pride hand fan all freaking night if it's not hot outside. No, that's a cool event. I, I, I Listen, 
I like that they're uh, that all the teams are really getting involved with that. Um, we're a big Pride family, so I we're all about that. So I'm definitely uh, down to go to that that event. That my family will definitely go to that. By the way, I don't mean to brag. Um, when I sit and watch games in my section, it's come become noticeable because I usually have an iPad up watching another sporting event along with the Mets. And I just figured this out this year. So it's another thing you'll see and say, oh, that's clearly Evan. I bring a fan now with me to games and I clip the fan on the bar in front of me. <laughs> and as I'm watching the game, I got a fan blowing on my face. I'm sorry to say, like, are you like, a, are you like an old woman? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're damn that's right. My mother, my mother would definitely do that. <laughs> oh, man. It was great. I, I, the, the only reason I ever did it was because I was taking my oldest son, Jet, to a game, and it happened to be a very hot night. And my wife and I were talking about, ah, how are we going to get him through the night? It's going to be hot. What are you thinking? So my wife's like, you should bring this portable fan and make sure he's always cool. And I said, great idea. So I set the fan up, and it was blowing the air into his face. He loved it. He was so happy. And I'm watching this happen, and I'm like, I'm kind of jealous. you know. But I put my son first. I want him to be comfortable. And he was. And we got through the night. I'm sweating my ass off. He's feeling good. Great. That's a win. A couple of weeks later, I'm going to a game. He's not going. And I'm like, you know what? I should take that fan again. Except this time, I'm not going with my kids. I'll blow it on my face. So that was the origin of that story. Is By the way, is the fan one of the ones that has like a little a spray to it as well? So you could spray yourself. If it's getting too hot, you could spritz. No, but that's a great idea, Pete. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's for this season. Good call by you. Uh, on Father's Day, June 18th, they've got the bucket hat. Bucket hat's cool. I like a bucket hat. I always wear that at the beach. How about you? Uh, no, I definitely do not watch. I, I do not wear the bucket hat. What is a bucket hat? You is don't it know what like a bucket a... hat is? It's a hat that looks like a bucket. Is it like a fan? <laughs> <laughs> it's an old man um, hat. I'll give you that. I mean. Oh, no. Is it, Mon- is it is it like a uh, like a brown type of hat? No, I really it's just don't. a. It's like a, how do you describe it? It's got like the flops in front and around, and then like there's a bucket on your head. You know yeah, what a bucket no. hat is? It's something you'd wear to the beach or I the like jungle. I know what it is? Oh, yeah, okay, I think you've seen it before. Yeah. Uh, Monday, June 26th. Craig spoiled this a few weeks ago, so this is not new. Starling Marte Black Panther bobblehead. Which I think is really cool, but I've never been, and, I, and I'll get to the next one too. I'm not a fan of Nets or Mets or really any team that intermingles with a movie. Like I'm just not a fan of that. Like the Brooke Lopez Star Wars bobblehead, it was so dumb to me. So even the next night, June 27th, they're doing another movie. It's Mr. Met as Indiana Jones. Uh, nothing for me. Maybe my kids, I don't know. Or maybe I'll just eBay the crap out of it. I mean, listen, I know they're, the new movie's coming out, so that's definitely why Indiana Jones is part of it. But, like, I think um, – I, th- I don't think that's the way to go. I just I, – I don't I don't get no, it. No, we're wrong, Pete. I got to tell you, like, as little interest as I have and you have, they do well. Like, people love that kind of stuff when they intermingle why? a popular movie. I don't know. I can't get into people's head. I'm sure we'll get emails angry with us at the Rico B at gmail.com. But for me personally – I'm not ridiculing someone who likes it. I'm just telling you, I ain't into it. But Evan, they also look terrible. Like, give me the last one that looked amazing. Like, half of these bobbleheads look terrible, don't they? 
Uh, yeah. I mean, Brooke, Lo- for whatever reason, I apologize why this is the one that jumps out at me, but <laughs> Brooke Lopez as a Star Wars character is just like, what are we doing? <laughs> what, what is happening right now? Okay, this is one of the more creative Met promotions. On Tuesday, July 18th, is the first of a series. It's a Mets basketball jersey. And it is a legitimate basketball jersey with the Mets logo on it. My only issue, does anyone know where this is going? I know exactly where it's going. It looks too much like the Knicks. I'm sorry. I know we share the same colors, orange and blue. Uh, I think I'm going to give... Look, if my kids want to wear it, that's great. I will never wear that. It just makes me feel like I'm wearing a Nick jersey. Well, I I have an issue with some other stuff. I definitely am down to go to that. Again, I'm not the biggest basketball jersey fan, but they have other promotions. Like I said, it's one of many in the series. So some of these other ones that are pop up, I definitely want to get, but I can't do one of them in particular. All right. We're going to find out which one. They're giving away baseball cards on Wednesday, July 19th. Great. On Thursday, July 27th, soccer jersey, a Mets soccer jersey. Um, okay. <laughs> well, whatever. On so my, kid, my kids are soccer fans, so they will need to go to that. that, that they one. want that because, one. Okay. Yes, that's the one they want. Wednesday, August 9th, a Mets football jersey. Let's go. I'm locked Let's in on that one. Go. On Tuesday, August 15th, Edwin Diaz trumpet bobblehead. It's Edwin Diaz, it's a trumpet, and it's Edwin Diaz kind of leaning towards the trumpet. Not quite as good as the Edwin Diaz trumpet where I hit a button and it starts playing his theme song, but nevertheless, uh, not a bad little bobblehead for the Edwin Diaz fans out there. Now, are they going to make this into another Timmy Trumpet Day, or no? It's just, it's just the, 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 the bobblehead day. I don't know. A lot of people were very offended by that Timmy Trumpet Day. Wow. Like oh, come on. People are offended by everything. I know. Uh, they they figured one sunglasses giveaway is not enough. So on Wednesday, August 16th, it's Max Scherzer-inspired two-toned sunglasses. If you made it where you could have the two eye colors of Max Scherzer, I'm game. I'm not sure that's what the sunglasses are going to do, but they're giving that one away on Wednesday, August 16th. You want to go to that one or no? No, I'll pass on the sunglasses. How about this? The most intriguing giveaway of the year. I'm not saying it's the best. I'm saying it's the most intriguing. On Friday, August 25th, against the Angels. I don't think that's a coincidence. Kodai Senga, glow-in-the-dark, ghost forkball day. I inquisitively asked on the air, what the hell is that? And (laughs) some guy tweeted at me as if I was an idiot, saying, what do you mean, Evan? He throws a ghost forkball. It's a ball that glows in the dark like a ghost. And my response was, what? I don't I still don't know what that is. Yeah, I, I'm again, I'm not really sure what the promotion is. It sounds cool. I'd be into it. But I mean, again, I'm not really sure what the it's really a ball that glows in the dark. Is that what we're talking about here? Well, it official? says here. Here's what it says. Kodai Senga glow in the dark ghost fork ball. So is it just a baseball that glows in the dark? Is that what we're doing? Is that? Yeah. And then we're talking like a wiffle ball esque type of thing, or is it actually like a hard ball that glows in the dark? I don't know. It's probably gonna be. It's gotta be like a Nerf type of thing, which is gonna be really lame. I just hope that on August twenty fifth, we don't all hate Kodai Senga. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be great. That's that'd, my that'd be the worst. That'd be the worst promotion ever. What was the beer promotion that was like five cents, fifty cents? 
Yes. Uh, wasn't that Disco Demolition Night, I think? Yeah, there's going to be a demolition on Ghost Fork Bowl Night. <laughs> Wednesday, August 30th is MLB Network Hat Day, whatever. Saturday, September 2nd is Corduroy Hat. What's a corduroy hat? Like a hat that's corduroy. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not drunk. into corduroy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Punch drunk, that is. I'm not drunk. Yeah. <laughs> a corduroy hat. Okay. These are kind of lame, some of them. Yeah. Oh. Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday, September 12th, Mets hockey jersey. Ooh. There we go. Mets I'm, hockey this, See, that to me is awesome, but this is your issue with the with the basketball jersey. It's going to be the same colors as the Islanders. I can't do it. That's the issue. Like, the issue, the Mets tried something last year. They tried crossover nights where it was, hey, it's Knicks night. Hey, it's Jets night. Hey, it's Giants night. And look, I, I know I root for certain teams. A lot of people listening don't have to agree with those teams. That's the beauty of where we live. And that's the problem. Like, there's a lot of Met fans who are like that, who say, I don't want something that looks like the Islanders. There's a lot of Met fans who say, I'm a Giant fan. I'm a Jet fan. Not as much with the Nets. I, I admit that. So it's weird when you do these crossovers with sports because we live in a diverse town when it comes to fandom. This isn't Pittsburgh you know, or Philadelphia where everybody pretty much roots for the same team. You're doing a Philadelphia Phillies promotion. Of course you can do Eagles night. Everybody's an Eagles fan. You know, 99% of Philly fans are Eagles fans. Would um, you... Now they, yeah. did, I know they, did, I know they didn't do it, but would you consider doing like a Donovan Mitchell night sometime? <laughs> Seriously, he's like a huge. Oh, I'm all for it. I love Donovan Mitchell. Are you going to be okay with that? Are you Nick fans going to be okay with that after he beats you in the first round of the playoffs? Like, what are we talking? Well, okay, about? for 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 Nick's fans, it's going to be upset, but but overall, as just an advocate of 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 the Mets being a. a one of the better basketball players out there too. I think it'd be kind of awesome like to, to kind of integrate the sports. Yeah. I don't know if I would honor him, but you know, he's going to go to a lot of games and you should certainly have him throw out the first pitch. I'd be fascinated if soon after a, even if the, the Knicks beat the Cavs, I, I don't mean to take shots at the Knicks. It's Rico Brown. I should be fair, but if the Knicks <laughs> play the Cavs in the playoffs, which I think is a very likely scenario, right? Win or lose. You just faced him in the playoffs. If Donovan Mitchell was announced to the crowd at City Field weeks <laughs> after a hard-fought playoff series, are we all just going to look past that and cheer him? Or is he just going to get booed off the mound? I guess the results probably play a big role in that, right? As long as he's not going to ghost football night, I think he's okay. <laughs> this is a very intriguing giveaway. Thursday, September 28th, is Buck Showalter-inspired windbreaker day. So Buck's windbreaker is being given away. I think I'm intrigued by that one. I think I want that. Is that like a Rick Peterson type of uh, jacket or no? I, do they have very similar styles? They're, they're, they're windbreakers? I don't remember. I try to take Rick Peterson out of my head, Pete. I try not to think about him. <laughs> Friday, September 29th is Mets crossbody bag day. Was that a bag that you put over your body? Is that a crossbody bag? I, I guess so. Probably like the replica city field. Uh, and then finally, for all fans, on Saturday, September 30th, it's tie-dye headband day. I have no interest in that. No, but that's a, that's a total kid thing. See, a lot of them are all for the kids, and I get, I get as it. As they should. All, as they should. They should be. But what about the adult idiots that want really cool stuff? That's where the jersey <laughs> yeah, well, That's what the bobbleheads <laughs> are for. That's what they expect right. you to love. 
<laughs> so not bad. You know, not a bad uh, job by the Mets. My, my only critique is, and this goes for any team, uh, Brooklyn too, when they give stuff away, the Nets. Give it to everybody. Not a fan of this first 10,000, first 15,000, first 20,000, because the one thing I noticed is that you're making people really get to the game early. And there's a lot of people that work. And there's a lot of people on a Tuesday night that cannot get their kids early enough to wait online outside City Field at 515 so they could get their kid a giveaway. And then you don't get it and you feel bad. You feel like an awful parent. So I would love to see teams clean that up. I just don't think it's, it seems so unnecessary. You have these sponsors paying for everything anyway. So that's the one thing I hope the Mets would change. They have not, but hopefully they do down the road. Let every single person have a giveaway. That's my one wish. Well, I, I explain to me why they're capping it at 15 anyways. Is, is it like, I mean, if you're going to make it really like limited, make it like 2000. Don't make it like, oh, 15, like where, why would you want to do that? Well, I'm saying, I'm saying if you're going to, if you're going to cap it at like half the, the crowd, like, what are we doing? Yeah, but the, the problem with even 15,000, and I've seen this firsthand, people will wait hours before the game. Like, there'll be lines outside the building for certain giveaways. Now, it's interesting to look at a list like this and say, okay, what are the giveaways that are going to cause monster lines? You know, what are the giveaways? Honestly, even though I'm not into it and you're not into it, I bet you it's the Starling Marte Black Panther bobblehead. I bet you it's even Mr. Meta's Indiana Jones. I think those are actually going to be the ones at, excuse me, and at 15,000 people, you're, you're getting guys and gals to be waiting out there online. And that just sucks. I've seen it. I got, I'm not even complaining for myself. Cause look, the truth is as much as I want to get this stuff from my family, um, worst comes to worst. I, I guess I can call my ticket rep and say, can I have a giveaway though? There is one giveaway. I still haven't gotten. And I called my ticket rep and said, can you do me a favor and get me this giveaway? And it was the, and I got one of them. Okay. But I wanted to get another one. So I guess that's not really fair. And I put it in the studio, but my dad wanted one. Then I gave the one to my dad. It was the Tom Seaver statue. I wanted like another Tom Seaver statue. And I asked my ticket rep and he's like, oh, I'll get it for you. And then he's like, oh, we don't have any left. Yeah. Well, I understand why. It's respect. I get it. It That that was a hot item. And that, that was a hot item. Better, it was one of the better ones I did. So I, I do get that. You know, now I'm but, trying to I think mean, where that. One Seaver statue is. I think I gave it to my dad, and I'm confused. Somebody wanted it because I only got one. And I think my dad has it or someone, whatever. Point is, I don't have it. So it's not always easy to get these giveaways. <laughs> so you get, so make one for everybody that goes there. But you, that should it. be. But why can't why can't you even make it for like the shop? Like you know, you, the first day you get it for free, and then you can sell it in the store. Because other people do, will buy it, no? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you absolutely can do that. You know what I saw real quick before we wrap up this, Rico? I was at the Hall of Fame with my family in late June, and there was one shop that was selling giveaways. Like, it was just kind of what you just said, except it was at the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Like, I think a Tom Seaver statue was for sale at one of these shops in Cooperstown. <laughs> like, how the hell did this get here? That's the one that you asked the tip that's the one you asked from the ticket rep. And it's like, oh, it's gone. Yeah. It, what this Cooperstown? <laughs> he sent it up to Cooperstown. <laughs> Anyhow, you can email the pod, the Rico B at gmail.com, the Rico B at gmail.com. I do promise. I was thinking of getting it to today, but there was more stuff with the Quintana 
and the Mets promotions. We will have a discussion on radical realignment and its impact on the Mets if that's the route baseball wants to go. We'll do that coming up on the weekend edition of Rico Bronia, but we appreciate you listening and downloading. Again, you can email us to ricob at gmail.com or tweet at us. Pete with Tiki and Tierney at 10 a.m., me with Craig at 2 o'clock on the fan. Thanks for listening to Rico Bro. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>